All right, all right, take your seats, please. We have a special guest of this episode, so please take your seats. All right, thank you. Welcome to the Change Academy, a helpful little podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to create positive, sustainable change in your mindset, in your habits, and ultimately in your life. I'm Brock Armstrong, and you will soon be hearing from Monica Reinagel because in this episode, Monica interviews one of the excellent individuals that we coach in our Way Less program. Now, Marika has, at the time of this recording, lost 15% of her body weight, and she has done it through the types of lifestyle overhauls, habit changes, mindset shifts, and all the fun stuff that we talk about in this podcast each and every episode. Now, the reason we asked Marika on this episode is because, well, we think that it is really valuable for you as someone who is in the process of making some big changes in any area of your life to have concrete evidence that change really is possible, even when it's change that you've been trying to make for a very long time. Monica and I can give you advice like crazy, and we can assure you that this stuff works. But you know what? It means a lot more coming from someone who's actually experienced it, especially from the other side. So, before I roll this interview that Monica did with Marika, here are some key moments that I'd like you to keep an ear out for. First of all, Marika has experienced some short-term successes before, with more traditional, kind of quick-fix interventions, but she says whenever life would happen, she... (laughs) there's that great phrase, life would happen, she would stop being able to maintain her change. Now... Does that sound familiar to you? I bet it does, at least to a few of you. Now, she doesn't necessarily call it this, but later in the interview, I hear her saying that part of her success is actually due to the fact that she found her compelling reason pretty early on in the process. See if you can pick that out for yourself. Now, also, I want you to listen for the part where she says that she used to worry about being overweight and about what she was eating, whether she could exercise, and it was exhausting. You might remember that from a previous episode of ours called The Cost of the Unmet Goal. Well, this actually made her wonder what else she could be using her brain for if she finally solved this problem. Now, you'll have to listen to the very end of the episode to hear the cool stuff that she's actually working on with her newly found brain power. But what do you think you could be using your brain for if you met one of your goals? Now, she realizes, and is frankly pretty excited about, that even after two years, she is not done. She knows that she has to stay engaged and follow the new habits for the rest of her life. And you may remember this idea from a Change Academy episode called Change is Forever. But she does go on to say that this isn't a problem since her satisfaction with life and food is so much higher now than it was before the program. Now, doesn't that sound good? Now, okay, I'm not going to spoil any more of the interview, but I will be back afterwards with a few more takeaways for you. But right now, here is Monica and Marika. Thank you, Marika, for being willing to talk with us and sharing some of your story, because I think it's really valuable for all of us who are in the process of becoming our best selves. So thank you for joining us today. Well, I'm really honored to be here and excited to be able to tell the story of how I've 
gone through this way less journey. <laughs> so almost exactly two years ago, practically to the day, you decided to join me and Brock in our way less coaching program. And that is one that's focused on sustainable weight loss. And I'm just going to give away the punchline right away. Since then, you have lost more than 15% of your body weight when you began the program. And I'm guessing there are probably some other changes that might not be so obvious on the outside. Yes, but before, definitely. before we talk about what that's been like for you, I'd love to take you back to that moment two years ago when you made that decision to try to change this one more time, because this was not a new problem for you, right? In fact, you wrote back then, I'm tired of losing and gaining the same weight in addition to the 10 pounds per decade progression. I'm ready to stop spending so much time worrying about how much I weigh, how my clothes fit and what I look like. Those of us who have struggled with our weight are definitely going to resonate with that. But I think we, we probably all have similar relationships with other things that we want to change. We're tired of trying to change it and not succeeding. So do you remember what that felt like? Yeah, it felt like exactly what you just said. I'm like, oh, those were I your words. <laughs> well, yeah, those that is exactly how I remember it. And I just, it was so tiring. And to borrow a concept from the program, it was all about the disappointment in myself and in my mm. life about those unfulfilled goals. Right. That, but that, you were trying to change it and just whatever you were doing was not working or not, not sustainable, not sustainable, not sustainable. So yeah, I had been very successful at losing whatever that 15% of my weight was in a short amount of time. Mm. And, and I couldn't even sustain that for a while until the next little blip in life, my mom dying or a lot of stress at work or something. And then it would very quickly come back on. And, mm. and that was the most disappointing of all. Right. To be back where you started again after all that effort. Right. 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 So you'd been around that cycle several times, like so many of us. I'm curious to know what made you decide to try again? What was that decision-making point for you? Do you remember? Yeah, that was the year I turned 60. And so looking forward, and I'm very much a planner and thinking for the future, I, I was thinking like, well, here I am again with that extra weight. It's a problem for a lot of reasons, the ones you gave, but mostly about my health. And mm -hmm. thinking about that, both my physical, you know, physiology of my joints, and I'm an exerciser and always have been. So the fact that I would put on this weight and couldn't get rid of it or, uh, over a long period, um, and I wasn't doing a lot of walking and hiking and backpacking on, with that extra weight on me. Mm. And I was worried about that. I was worried about Alzheimer's. I was worried about other things that I feel like if I keep gaining 10 pounds a decade and periodically having this extra weight and the health implications of this up and down of dieting, that's not a good way to go into my senior years. You know, I think that's interesting that you mentioned that you've always been a big exerciser and that you were continuing to exercise because I think sometimes people have this idea that the people who enjoy exercise, they don't have this problem. They don't ever have to worry about their weight. And that's not true, is it? 
That's not true. Not only have I always been an exerciser, exerciser, for example, I've um, always ridden my bike to work. So that's like 50 miles a week of biking plus swimming and, and hiking and yoga. But it didn't keep the weight off. Again, that steady progression, plus these extra times when things went wonky in my life. I also, I have always been a pretty healthy eater. I've always tried to eat really healthy with lots of vegetables and fruits and mostly vegetarian. But even with all that, you know, I was still carrying this extra weight and not able to manage that. Yeah. I can imagine how frustrating that would have been. So you had a milestone birthday. Was that the trigger? Because I know I looked into your history, Marika, (laughs) and I noticed that you'd actually been following us for a while before you decided to take this step, like lurking, maybe. I was lurking. I was also fangirling you for a long time with the Nutritionist Diva um, (laughs) podcast. I am an evidence-based decision maker, and I loved your nutrition information because you looked at the evidence and not just when it was convenient or supported, you know, your perspective, but a balanced look at the evidence. So I was gathering evidence about you and Brock and looking at at your various social media platforms and information. And and so uh, what finally made me sign up was not really that birthday. I'm not a huge, you know, oh my God, I have to make huge changes because I just had an even birthday. Um, But because I was finally at this point where I realized, okay, I just tried two years of the intermittent fasting. And before that, it was like two or three years of low carb, super low carb dieting. And yeah, they worked. And then they didn't, they weren't sustainable and they weren't good for me. I mean, they were a little good for me in some ways, but then, but then I realized it, my body didn't really like not eating on two days (laughs) a week. And my, I couldn't, if the low carb was great, unless I tripped up and ate any carbs. And then immediately I couldn't get my bike up the hill um, because my body, whatever reason, couldn't get what it needed. So I was gathering evidence and then finally I'm like, okay, here's some money. Is it worth it? What if this actually worked? I mean, everything I've seen so far looked like it was evidence-based and, and here's the funny part. I do some teaching around financial decision-making. Mm-hmm. So most of what is in this way less program, I've actually, you know, made videos about and talked to students about how to manage your financial behaviors in a sustainable way to meet the goals you want to achieve. And I'm like, oh yeah, they're they're doing all the things that I tell people to do with their finances. But I needed help to do that. Obviously, I couldn't do it on my own in a healthy, sustainable way. Yeah. And not for lack of trying, you had really tried all the things. So when you made this decision, what were you hoping for in terms of an outcome? Like what would you have back then two years ago, what would you have considered success, a good return on your investment? Let's say. Yeah. You said at the beginning of a couple of the things that I was interested in, of course, I cared about my looks and I cared about this feeling of shame that I was walking around the world with a body that didn't seem to reflect all the effort I put into being Mm -hmm. healthy. Mm -hmm. 
also a body that didn't fit into clothes that I could buy uh, or get at, at Goodwill or something. Um, Cause I'm very cheap than thinking of financial <laughs> behaviors. So my clothes never fit right. Endlessly buying bigger clothes is still part of the problem. Right. So, so really that was part of it. The looks and, and my body and being enclosed and feeling like I could backpack, you know, safely and everything. But even the biggest thing I noticed was worrying about my weight, what I was eating, whether I would be able to exercise, took up so much of my brain. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. And it was exhausting. And it's like, I kept thinking, what else could I use my brain for if I wasn't worried all the time about food and what I looked like and whether my clothes were going to fit and all that? What else could I use that for? Well, and you I can't know? wait to hear what you are using your brain for now that it's not taken up with that worry. But so those were the goals that you went into the program with. How do you feel about where you are now? Do you feel like you accomplished what you set out to? I do, but also, you know, it's funny, two years into it, and this is a lot of what the program told me. I'm not done. I'm still learning. Um, I lost that 15% of my body rate, which I'm really proud of. Keep showing everyone my little graphic, you know, not everyone, actually, only my partner, she and my kids sometimes. But like, I'm really proud that I've been able to figure out what I needed to do within this program and stick with it for the two years. But But the two years is not it. I still have to make sure that I'm engaging enough to uh, maintain my habits and maintain the things that I've changed in a way that it's going to be the rest of my life. Yes. And this is why we always say with any process of change, this is an ongoing relationship with a set of tools. It's not a one and done kind of thing. And very, very well said. So were there any surprising discoveries along the way? Anything that you stumbled over that that surprised you or that you came away with that you didn't expect to get? Uh, there's all kinds of things that show up in this. And I, and I think that's true of no matter what you're engaging in and learning about. There's so many things that are part of it that, that I didn't see ahead of time. So certainly the way I eat have ch- has changed. My satisfaction, and this is what I love, my satisfaction with food is way more than before this program. Wow. Um, yeah. So it I'm wasn't just case. learning how to put up with less satisfaction. It wasn't, it wasn't just like, I have to eat less. And so I have to be hungry. I'm less hungry than I used to be. Um, It wasn't that I have to eat things that I don't like. I actually eat more food that I enjoy than I used to. It didn't have to be no treats ever. I actually eat maybe fewer treats, but better treats, (laughs) treats that I enjoy more, which is a big part of the program, figure out what it is that you like and eat that don't eat the other stuff that you don't really like, you know. So that was a huge surprise and, and a huge benefit, and also a much better relationship to food. And just feel like I'm not a bad person. If I eat something that is quote unquote bad food, there aren't bad foods. There's choices to be made. And I should make the choices that are going to be healthier for me and help me meet my goals, but also that I like. Right. And I think that would apply 
to just about any set of behavior change, whether it's managing the way we spend our money, whether it's how we eat, the way we spend our time, how we pursue our careers. Like this is kind of the universal secret, right? That's funny because that's exactly when I teach about financial behaviors. I tell people, um, you should spend your money on things that are going to make you happy, that are going to make your life better. Don't spend them on the latte at Starbucks if you don't, if that's not really the best use of that money. Maybe it is. Maybe that, you know, connecting with people at your coffee shop every day is provides you all kinds of benefits. You love to support the small business. Maybe it's a locally owned business. <laughs> you love to, you love the taste of the, the latte in your hands around the warm cup and the community at the cafe. Maybe that is the best use of your money. Just the way maybe, you know, a chocolate chip cookie is the best use of my calories, but maybe it's not. Yeah. Right. And what you're describing, of course, goes to that piece of awareness that we have to start by being aware of why we're doing the things we're doing instead of just rushing to try to change the things that we're doing. And sometimes I think when we're trying to create change in these areas of our lives, we're too quick to, to rush into the action without pausing first to gain that awareness about what's driving those actions. Yeah. And I think we just had a discussion about this in the forum about like understanding that, that what is it I'm trying to change and why, and then understanding all these pieces of, okay, what's contributing to this? What do I want to change? And then how to act like you need all those pieces. And then to cycle through those again, it's like, well, I tried that and that didn't work that action. So let me go back and and collect some more data about what's going to work. Right. But as many steps as that involves, it still ends up being less exhausting than the just kind of repetitive worry and frustration of an unsolved problem. The unsolved problem and just the feel of the lack of self-efficacy. Mm -hmm. The feeling, and again, for me, it's just like, you know, I tried hard and it didn't work, or I really thought it was going to work this time and it didn't. That just disappointment in myself, that hurts. Yeah. Were you almost afraid to hope that this would work to get your hopes up for fear that you might be disappointed? Did you find yourself kind of holding back on your ambitions or your expectations or did you get, were you all in? Uh, no, well, I, 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 I'm one of those people who can, I can partition my brain. So in something, in making a big change, I do feel like you have to jump in and get with the program and try it and being willing to, to see a goal and believe that you could meet that goal. But I'm also that scientist on the other side. It's like, well, Oh, let's see the evidence this time. We tried this before. We tried something before and it didn't work. So why should I believe this is going to work? So like I could hold both of those ideas. That's great. Was there a moment along the way that you were tempted to give up? Did you have any dark nights of the, of the soul during this process? I'll say though, that your progress has been very steady. You know, a lot of times people are kind of two steps forward, one step back, but not you, you've really (laughs) just been very slow and steady. So maybe you never got to that moment where you were tempted to give up, but did you? No, not in the big sense. Um, It's funny. I look at my graph of my weight and it looks very linear, you know, Mm -hmm. down, but I remember these moments that it felt like, like 
this isn't working. This is, but one thing is my weight loss was so, it was slow, right? Which is part of this program. By design, yes. By design. And it's important physiologically and it's important because that's what's going to be sustainable. Right. So there were lots of times when I thought, this is so slow. I'm never going to get there. I was very whiny. So there wasn't any big moments, but I remember two years ago, just sitting in my backyard, my bowl was empty because one of my big changes was I wouldn't get seconds that I would Mm -hmm fill my bowl up with the good food I was going to eat and then not get seconds. And I remember sitting in my backyard looking at the empty bowl going, wow, it's empty. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go get more. (laughs) So there were definitely times when I felt like, oh, this is so slow. Not not in the big, like, I'm going to quit because it was um, also, I found success and that's huge. It's very rewarding. Very rewarding. And I was hearing from others in the program that things were working for them and being surrounded by that, you know, makes it hard to think that that this isn't going to work. And for me, for this, for the weight loss, and I think for a lot of things, having some marker that shows you you're going in the right direction is what's really important. It shows you what you're doing is is the right thing or one of the right things that you're, that it's working. And that's a hard part about a lot of things is when you can't see that you're actually making progress and you don't know if you'll make progress. Well, your description of feeling like it was very slow at the time, but now you look back over these last two years and it's like a ski slope, right? And it reminds me because you're a hiker of that when you're, when you're trudging up the side of, of a mountain and you turn around and you can't believe how high in the air you are in a very similar kind of the opposite direction, but yeah, but I'm glad you brought that up about seeing other people in the group because having success and how that helped to lift you up a little bit. Because one of the things I really noticed about you in particular is that you're not afraid to raise your hand and ask for support. Maybe because you're a teacher, maybe because you're a a professor, uh, you encourage this behavior. And so you model it, but I noticed that you were often the one to start a conversation in the group. You were very good at leveraging the support that that comes from being part of that small community. And I'm just curious, was that a conscious decision on your part or does that just come naturally to you? Uh, I think I tend to be a talker. So in, if anything, and as a teacher, I know there's people in classrooms who take up too much space and too much time. So you were never was, guilty of that. <laughs> well, thank you. I tried to hold back, but also I feel like it's so important to me at least, and I think to most people, to know that other people are working on the same issues as they are. Mm. Even if no one says anything that's going to change my behavior, to know that they're also working on this, that they're they're suffering like I am, and they're finding their way through. And also it's a check-in, you know, if someone else is saying, well, you know, I tried something new and I'm really working on this, then I reflect on it myself. Oh, well, what am I doing to make sure that I'm continuing to work towards my goal? So coming back over and over to find that motivation and support from seeing other people doing Mm -hmm. the work was really important to me. 
And I think what you said is important. It wasn't just that you were seeing other people succeed. You were seeing other people doing the work. You were seeing how that sausage was being made. And it kind of erases that illusion that we have that some people don't have to work at this. It just happens without any effort. Or, you know, sometimes we just see the success on the outside and we don't see what's going into that. And it is really useful to see other people engaging with the same sorts of problems and questions the variety of personalities that people bring to it, the variety of insights. I think it's a really powerful way to work on change, which is one of the reasons that we created the Change Academy was to make an even bigger community where people could get that same touch point for people working on things and figuring things out and doing the work. But you were, um, it was just, it still is a delight to have you part of that community. You're a big part of what makes it fun. Well, thank you. So earlier, last question for you, Marika, um, you said that it was just using up so much bandwidth. It was so exhausting to have this unsolved problem. And you wondered, what would I do with my brain if I weren't just turning this unsolved problem over? So what's next for you? Are there other goals or objectives on your list? What are you using that brain for now? Yeah, I always have something that I'm doing and learning. And, um, and I have just one more year till retirement. So even just thinking and planning what that's going to look like. And, and you'll be I, retiring at a healthy weight. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Ready to do my hiking and everything else. But this year, uh, what I've done is uh, and I told myself I wasn't going to do this till I retired, but I bought an accordion. So I'm going to play the accordion. Do you know who plays accordion? No. Brock. Brock plays accordion? He oh does. From wow. his rock band days. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We're going to, we'll have to connect those dots at our, at our first way less in-person retreat. It takes a special kind of person to play an accordion. I'm not sure I'm going to fit quite into the accordion <laughs> trap, but I can I try. And, uh, <laughs> The other thing I've done, which is fun, that's, I've never, I keep picking up instruments. My partner tells me I can't buy any more instruments because they're filling up my house. I started late. You tell your partner, like, what's the right number of new instrument of, of, of instruments? One more. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. the correct number of instruments. One more. I think that's true. I think that's true. But uh, now over the pandemic, the thing that I picked up because I couldn't go to orchestra with my viola, which was my previous instrument, um, composing music, which again, using that's the brain part. I'm like, how, how do you know that? Like how the music is supposed to progress through chords and, and how the different parts fit together and even what a chord is. Cause on viola, we read music that they wrote centuries ago. Right. right. So that's my, what I'm using my brain for. And it really does feel like, over the two years, so many things have been automated. And this is what I talk about in financial behaviors too. I've automated so many of my habits around the weight loss that I don't have to think about them all the time. So that's really a gain. That's a huge gain. Yeah. So now, of course, just because of the timing of when we're having this conversation, we have a lot of people who right now are where you were two years ago, trying to decide whether this would be a good next step for them. What would you say to two years ago, you, as you were contemplating making this change? Really uh, interesting. I'll give a question, which you and Brock have given to us over and over in the program. And that is, what would be the most caring choice you could make for yourself? 
Like, are you worth this? And not in a guilt provoking way, but like, are you ready to engage and make change in a sustainable life and health affirming way? Because I think that's what this program is. It's asking you and you have to engage and figure out what's going to work for you. There's no canned diet or prescription or exercise plan that anyone can give you that's going to work the rest of your life. Each person has to develop that. Just like I couldn't give you my budget and expect you to follow it, you know, or my investment goals. Right. We all have to take responsibility for, for coming up with that recipe ourselves. But um, I think that's great advice. And uh, for anybody listening who is thinking of joining us, this is what you get on the inside. Fun, fun, great folks like Marika. But thank you again for spending this time with me. It's been a real pleasure to, to spend this time together. And we really appreciate you sharing your story. Well, thank you. And thanks to you and Brock for the program. It's really made a huge difference in my life. Okay, Brock back here. Now, there were so many great takeaways in this interview that I could go on and on, but here are just a few of the ones that I really enjoyed. Now, the first one is that we need to take time to become aware of why we do things and engage in certain behaviors instead of just going straight to the solution or directly to changing the action. I think that is such a wise thing that was in this interview. Also, it's important to have a way to measure your success or at least see your progress. When you feel like you're spinning your wheels, having hard evidence collected can make all the difference to stop you from just quitting. Now, like Monica and I said in a very recent episode about how to get the most out of being coached, being part of a group of people who are working on a similar project and also communicating well with that group, well, that can increase the value that comes from a group coaching program. And finally, my biggest takeaway is, yes, it is true, I do play accordion. I've been playing it for most of my life. But I actually take Monica's rule of the current number plus one, and I apply that to bicycles instead of instruments. Although you could apply it to anything, but that's my favorite thing. But anyway, if you want to learn more about the Wayless program that Marika has been taking part in for the last couple of years, and incidentally kicks off again on July 8th, 2022, so coming up pretty soon if you're listening to this when the episode comes out, just go to wayless.life. That's way, W-E-I-G-H-L-E-S-S, wayless.life. And once again, thank you to Marika for sharing her story and being such a great sport and also a great inspiration. Now here's to the changes we choose. All right. Thank you, everyone. You've been listening to the Change Academy podcast with Brock Armstrong and Monica Riley.